from a layman. I'm Carl Christensen. I'm here with Cameron Christensen. And Tim Cox is also present today. For now, at least. Through rain, hail, sleet, or road trip, I will make it. That's right. I will find you. Sacrificing for me. With a greater good. Not if it's your sister was sister's wedding so that's right i mean you got to draw a line somewhere (laughs) okay so today we're going to be talking about um topic will be are you smart and how do you improve your uh perceived intelligence so um, we're going to just uh, dive into a few different ways that we perceive intelligence and, and what you can do to uh increase your abilities in those areas so we're going to start i'm kind of tried to order this list and what i at least believe is the uh maybe the least uh, to the greatest amount of uh, perceived in- uh, influence on your in- uh, perceived intelligence so we're going to start with trivia so trivia i mean you know the name ken jennings uh, most people still know the name ken jennings even though that was like uh i don't know 15 years 10 15 years ago now um if you might want to explain who he is to people who don't know the name Ken Jennings. Well, that's too bad. There he <laughs> um, Ken Jennings won uh, some insane number of consecutive Jeopardy shows. Uh, ended up winning, I think, millions of dollars, if I'm not mistaken, from Jeopardy, which is no small feat. Um, and became known as the ultimate Jeopardy champion. So, obviously, uh, the... Uh, quintessential trivia um, mas- master. So he was uh, the best example of someone that had uh, quite the uh, encyclopedia, encyclopedic trivia knowledge. So Tim, what do you and Cameron, what do you guys think about tri- trivia knowledge? How does that per- affect how you uh, perceive someone's intelligence? Cameron, uh, you first. I, I was going to say I, I always enjoy a good trivial fact. Um, I, I, I just like learning new things, you know, and I find it that if you have a vast knowledge of random knowledge, you know, I, you, you definitely perceived smarter. Um, okay. I, I also think that we should say that this podcast podcast is being sponsored by luminosity. <laughs> there we go. That is the correct sponsor for this uh, this podcast. <laughs> well, and and in fact, it turns out that more than eighty five percent of people uh, attribute high intelligence to someone who knows a lot of obscure facts or comes say, up with them on the on the spot. <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, and I actually uh, for a number of years I coached a junior high school basically quiz bowl team, and um, so. I got to, to see this, uh, you know, observe this firsthand. Uh, trivia, as the name indicates, is not very useful. The knowledge is trivial, but it indicates an ability to recall, absorb and recall lots of information, which is something that especially Western society highly values. You know, this is kind of the, that's the foundation skill of like book learning. So, um, yeah, I would say someone who knows a lot of trivia, even though that the fact that they know a lot of trivia um, itself doesn't really serve them well. It generally means that they are have good memory and ability to comprehend and, and connect, and um, that you know kind of intelligence does serve you pretty well in a lot of different situations. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So I uh, I think that this Tim already pointed out a little bit that trivia 
often reflects kind of the general ability to um, recall uh, just any type of knowledge. All right, we're now joined by Matt, and uh, I was in the middle here of uh, talking a little bit about um, what trivia, how trivia affects uh, people's perception of our intelligence. So I was talking specifically about, in this case, there was, I'm going to leave layman world for uh, just a minute. There was some research I did in, in college about uh, second language acquisition testing, and uh, it turns out that the ability to recall it, just basic short-term memory correlated highly with the general ability uh, you had uh, to learn a second language. So once again, just showing that the uh, ability to memorize something uh, trivial, some an unimportant fact, but lots of them then also correlates and reflects on your ability to learn more important facts, as Tim already mentioned. Tim, did you so I uh, on that note, it talk about the the even the perception of of smarts is I think pretty tricky to tie down, and I think a lot of times our society doesn't really do it justice. We assign too much uh, importance to certain kinds, not enough to others, or maybe just not enough to the fact that there are you know multiple intelligences. Um, as a school teacher, I see this play out a lot among both teachers and students. We tend to assign a lot of value to the whole book smarts, recall of facts. Um, I'm going to jump in right there because I, the, I think the idea that uh, that we're trying to convey in this podcast is more uh, not that there aren't different types of intelligence, but that culture and uh, society that we live in does recognize particular types of intelligence. And so we're trying to identify the factors that go into that type of intelligence because another sign of intelligence is to be able to recognize what people view as intelligent and how that affects your success in life. And so whether you, whether not to dispute the fact that there are other types of intelligence, other types of abilities to be good at things, uh, but that this is, that there is a specific uh, skill set that is, uh, that is viewed as superior. And so we're going to just identify different characteristics of that here. And so not saying this is the end all be all, but that this is more rep represents what culture and society places influence on. This is so. the end all and be all for our society and our culture because, exactly. yeah, our society values podcasts. And exactly. Podcasts. Hey, that's coming up later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, okay. So we're going to move on from trivia. So trivia is just, I think, uh, somewhat re reflective of, of some general intelligence. Most people recognize that. I think uh, another thing that people recognize as uh, influencing intelligence or being associated with intelligence is, is kind of just motivation, like the ability to get out and get things uh, done. So Matt, what do you think about that? Well, there is an analogy that I have heard at work. Um, it's not so much an analogy as a descriptor of a motivated person. You can say that the person is all thrust and no vector. Uh, that resonates with people who deal with aeronautical engineering more than anyone else. I think you just fully left the layman scope behind. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, the point is... Um, All speed, no have, heading. You can have motivation, but if it is not directed motivation, then you come off as one of these obviously enthusiastic, but ultimately incapable individuals. 
individuals. Sorry, I can speak. Um, you know, it's I, I don't know that I see motivation itself as a indicator of intelligence. It's an indicator of a hard worker or, you know, uh, somebody that you would want on a team, but not necessarily... I don't see it relating to intellectual prowess in any. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I think um, I guess it goes more in hand 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 with another item I had on this list: motivation and success. So when those things go get paired together, uh, then we assume uh, then we assume intelligence. Ah, so yeah, if that's we see fair. that the result in of of a person is success, and we identify a chief characteristic of a successful person, then yeah, we could say. Uh, he is successful because of his motivation, and therefore, uh, you know, smart, successful people are motivated. Or he is successful because he invented Facebook, therefore it is smart to invent Facebook, or right. something like that. Yeah, kind of, uh, I see that as a logical fallacy kind of thing, where you... I I believe you're right. I think it is largely a fallacy. I think, I think there's even a term for this, it's called the halo effect, where... Yeah. Because people, someone is successful, we therefore attribute to them uh, qualities that they don't necessarily uh, possess. Yeah, just because a person is successful doesn't mean that they are a person worth emulating. It's a good thing that all the laymen out there have us laymen to listen to, to warn them away from successful people. <laughs> exactly. Very nice. Well, and now I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Uh, I'm going to bring up examples. I think a lot of times there are people who are highly motivated and highly successful that we may not necessarily uh, call intelligent. I'm thinking a number of celebrities, a number of politicians, people who have clearly worked hard, who have risen to the top in their areas, but we, you know, we still don't, um, you know, think of them as smart by any means, even if they may actually be very uh, smart. So I, I think I, that it's one factor, but you know, among many that of course, of that course. can affect the perception of intelligence. Right, Damn. exactly. AOC yeah. is not smart. I'm just throwing that out there. I oh, do. Oh, oh. <laughs> I don't, and we lost our communist segment of the audience. <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of an interesting point, but it doesn't just because there are successful people that we identify as unintelligent. That does not mean that we do not falsely identify some successful people as intelligent. Right. Well, who's more intelligent, the person that can motivate or the motivated person? So I, that's later, Cameron. You're, you're uh, okay. jumping the gun. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, no, that's good. Is, it's the person that subscribes <laughs> to this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Which we motivate them to do. Good uh, work. We'll list you as one of the successful people. Um, yeah, I, I do think that um, uh, that because just because we don't associate everyone that has success and motivation, uh, we don't subscribe intelligence to all of them doesn't mean that, yeah, there isn't some uh, halo effect, some ability. Uh, I, mean, follow, I mean, celebrities are a great example actually of the more people uh, know them um, you can assume these people also uh, care what they say and that 
follows that they they ascribe to them some a level of intelligence. So uh, I do think, though, it's also important to note that the, the more the more intelligent the individual is that is grading intelligence, the more refined scale, the more more nuance they're going to have in determining and differentiating between these different factors and being able to weed out the the falsely uh, you know these red flag the, these false flags of um, you, you know, possibly mean red herrings right well some combination <laughs> yes exactly the flag people that are, okay. that are successful and motivated but probably not actually all that intelligent and at least not the way that we would normally view intelligence but yeah Okay, so um, we're going to move on. Tim has now dropped off, and that's not uncommon, so we'll just continue anyway. Um, okay, so this is a big one. Uh, this one, this next item I've got on my list is credentials. So I think that's a huge uh, way that we identify and uh, uh, prescribe a certain amount of intelligence. Well, that's not even the word I'm looking for, which is perfect because this is a layman podcast. Um, it's the way that we really prove our intelligence is through credentials. So if I say that I went to you know, Harvard or Yale or some Ivy League school for college, I don't really have to say anything else for you to assume that I'm intelligent. Cameron, thoughts? Well, I mean, if you go to an Ivy League school, they don't actually prescribe Fs. That that is true. <laughs> so, I mean, if if we think about this, the people that get their Ds and Cs or whatever, you know, that's because they just kind of skated through to a mommy and daddy had a lot of money. So, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think people who go to Ivy League schools are any smarter. They just have more money than I do. So, so I think uh, there is. According to the that uh, recent news headlines, there's maybe some truth to that. I was going to say there is certainly uh, some amount of truth to that. I do think that generally, obviously, these schools have you know admission standards, and while they might not apply to the filthy rich or those that are cheating, they do apply to 99% of the people. Yeah, the layman. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I mean, they are prestigious. institutions and you would assume that intelligent people go there um i mean the same with you know you have a profession as a doctor i mean same kind of thing you would assume a doctor is an intelligent person i have met doctors and yes they're smart in some things but other times they're not very smart you know there's a lot of misdiagnoses out there because doctors aren't always smart so that's a good that's a good point i think once again it's those credentials things right so you don't often at least i haven't until relatively recently been thinking you know you don't vet your doctors well enough because you just assume okay credentialed means intelligent meaning i will you know just you know bow to their their uh, their preference you know whatever they think is correct is correct because they are more intelligent than i and not try to differentiate the the intelligent from the unintelligent just because of credentials. Matt, did you? Yeah, I I agree that our society places a significant value on credential as an indicator of intelligence, and I see this, you know, at work, um, just all over the place. If you have multiple letters that come after your name, uh, master's, PhD, whatever, um, you do get more credibility 
than, um, than if you don't, rightly or wrongly. And, you know, there are the cases where it's right or wrong. Uh, my wife's brother did not go to college and was a phenomenally successful person uh, ready to take on an executive position at Amazon. Um, other people I have known have had ridiculous amounts of credentials and have not done great at the things that they were supposed to do. Uh, going back to the medical field, not that we like to pick on doctors, but whatever. Um, uh, our uncle Eric, who was a highly credentialed and highly respected dentist, one time repeated the joke, what do you call the bottom of the class graduate from medical school? Doctor. Doctor. Right. Yeah. So, rightly or wrongly, yeah, our society does place a significant amount of value on credentials when uh, creating the perception of intelligence in a person. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's uh, so. I think you you highlighted something there that's also really important is that there are different fields that are more or less you know susceptible to this credential um, you know alphabet soup essentially. So you know the the computer science area, one I'm familiar with myself, is less susceptible. I mean, really, it's prove your worth and and you will move up because we. You just, it's where, uh, at least in a lot of the roles, rubber meets the road. We don't really care if you're a doctorate or a master's or whatever your, your credentials might be. If you're just a high school grad, but you've been working for a long time in the area and you've shown that you can master these complicated algorithms and complicated systems, then you, know, you will move up because it is a meritocracy to a large extent. Uh, whereas, you know, there's... Um, lawyers and doctors and, and you know, different um, government areas where it's required that you have a particular you know, educational level in order to get a particular pay grade and, and a particular title. And so that lends itself far more to the credentials and less to the meritocracy. But uh... <laughs> and for those that don't know what a meritocracy is, is performance oh, yeah, capabilities. <laughs> The idea that merits uh, will let you move up, they are the foundational principle of the, of the society, of, of that. Your fancy vernacular out here. <laughs> so yeah. the more pokes I get on Facebook, the better I have chance in your line of profession. Right, exactly. The more, the better you perform, the better you will do. That's the idea of a meritocracy. So, um, so yeah, under a meritocracy, then somebody who performs well, uh, however you measure that, is deemed as most capable, possibly analogously most intelligent. So Ninja, who has a bazillion YouTube views, would be like, you know, he'd be the Stephen Hawking of the meritocracy world. Exactly. At least among YouTubers. I, I, yeah, I, I, to some extent, I think that's true, um, but uh his i mean i'm not as familiar with either as either of you with the computer the gaming world but um but i do know it in the marketing world and, and I it believe is not that, an intelligent world <laughs> well i the question of meritocracy and the question of whether or not ninja is somehow more intelligent or better motivated or um because he's a better gamer or because he's a better marketer um and so you know how that reflects on his intelligence and what he's good at um you know, I think is for me a completely open question because I don't know the area. I, I think this is a prime example to bring in Steve Jobs here. Here's a man that 
yes, he did know how to do computer stuff, but what he was truly good is is directing people. Like you watch the, his documentaries, you know, after he died, and dude was a jerk and totally undersold out lots of people to get to where he was. But you know, he had ideas and dreams and kind of would go bankrupt to to make it successful. So. Sure. So he, so that's, yeah. So, so that he's, he's a unique case. I do think that, so the thing that you're mentioning there is, is this idea of leadership, leadership being associated with intelligence as well, to some degree. So if you are able to get people to follow you, the assumption is you must be intelligent. Um, and I think that uh, has held true for a long time. I think to some degree, we're starting to become a little bit disenchanted with that um political system aside i think that just in general you know voices you have in the room the more everyone has you know a hundred thousand followers on twitter we realize okay just because you have more followers doesn't necessarily mean you're intelligent but historically i do believe the ability to lead has been highly associated with intelligence because if you can lead people then we assume people are listening to you you for a reason and that reason we usually associate with some degree of, of knowing something that others do not or having the ability to ascertain and and deal with situations in an intelligent way i would just say it's because you won the war yeah you know uh, history proffers the winner not necessarily the loser right and but i think yeah i think that's that's certainly true and i think once again if it's nothing more than the discussing the different effects of the halo effect this idea yeah. that because you are bigger stronger faster you are therefore also more intelligent uh kind of is the the default of the human condition that uh, you can beat me down and therefore you must also be smarter than i um is kind of the default now i'm not saying that's how everyone uh, views uh people and i don't think that's how I think the, the more you move up, let's say, the IQ scale, the more you can differentiate the fact that, okay, just because you're bigger, faster, stronger does not mean that you're also smarter, uh, you know, more, more able to recognize patterns and, and those types of things, which it, the real measure, or at least measure in Western society of how we view intelligence. But once again, if you can get this idea of the halo effect, this idea that if I'm good at these things that people can see and recognize, they're going to give me the benefit of the doubt in all these other areas. That's one of the main ways that we get uh, people assuming that we're intelligent is just being a standout in some area. Matt? <laughs> okay. Um, all right, so another one, uh, and I think this is the, the biggest one in my mind, is uh, language. Um, if you can think of any standardized test that does not include a language component, I'd be amazed. Um, I mean, even at the higher levels of education, even when you've decided to major in you know, something that's more mathematical, you'll still have some language components that people want to see, you know, your, your GRE test at your graduate level tests uh, in college. Uh, I mean, while schools might not pay as much attention, obviously, if you're looking into an engineering field, you're still going to be tested in language and engineering, or language and quantitative or math related fields. So the idea that those that control language and, and speak in a certain way are therefore more intelligent, I think is one that's been throughout true throughout history and still as true today if not more so 
Matt, what do you think? Yeah, language is definitely one of the things that just when you meet a person, you can get an idea of what caliber of intellect you're dealing with, uh, with their choice in vocabulary, their ease and command of the language. It creates, again, rightly or wrongly, an impression of intelligence if it is used correctly and, you know, if, if you use language well. I did not end that sentence well, therefore I sounded unintelligent. <laughs> right. Which will fit us in with, well, never mind. Um, layman. <laughs> and there goes all of our layman audience. <laughs> Wait, that's our whole audience. Yep, edit that one. Oh. <laughs> anyway, um, so language, though, depending on who you're talking to, you can very easily go too far. To be clear, having a large vocabulary does not equate to a perception of intelligence. Being able to use a vocabulary correctly does. Uh, one of the things that came up in the late 90s, early 2000s, were these, these courses offering lessons in building a power vocabulary where, and it, it was just the worst pollution of our language. People, instead of saying use, were all changing to utilize. And instead of saying, I did a thing, they were saying, I impacted the situation. And instead of saying, move to production, it was transition or migrate, or all of these ridiculous words that you select only because they have more syllables. That does not make you sound intelligent. That makes you sound like someone who is desperately trying to sound intelligent. And it, it was a huge backfire for many people. It all depended on who you were talking to. Some people would hear phrases like that and go, wow, that person knew the word impact, must be intelligent. Um, it, it, was, it was a dark time. <laughs> and unfortunately, we're still seeing the fallout from that in, in business speak and other things that have still held on for today. Uh, Larry King, who made his living in communications, actually wrote a book. And he, one, of his, uh, one of the things that he talks about in his book was the importance of using succinct, simple, correct vocabulary words rather than picking the one with the longest syllables, or the most syllables. So, in summary, yes, language definitely contributes to perceptions of intelligence, uh, but you have to be very careful that you use it correctly. Yeah, for sure. Cameron, uh, your thoughts? Uh, I, I would definitely agree that language is um, a sign of intelligence. Um, I would also say the more mastery you have of language, I would say the more creative you are, you know, to be able to write stories, you know, engage people in your writing definitely has to have some, you know, intelligence on there. I, I actually have a coworker who um, he was telling me one night, uh, he used to be a manager at a high end restaurant and they had to do um, end of day reports. And so, you know, you kind of have this standard thing that you follow. And he just got bored and wondered if anybody even read the reports more than just glancing. And so he just make up these stories um, for like a couple weeks. And then all of a sudden he gets this email back and saying, everybody needs to follow the way he's been doing reports. 
and <laughs> he's like, oh my gosh, you that's awesome. He, <laughs> he's just making up stuff, you know, just because you know he's a good writer. So, I mean, he's definitely got the mastery. But after you know, after that email came out, he just started doing kind of the normal report, just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> right. Um, and I would also say, um, kind of what Matt was talking about, uh, those um, larger syllable words, I mean, I, the, definitely in the business world where I quasi am in, um, those are huge buzzwords. You know, you go in for interviews, stuff like that, you say words like that, um, you're definitely more likely to get the job that you're looking for. And in summary, this culture is not <laughs> worth having jobs in because of that problem. Right. Yeah. So I don't want to say that uh, too much on this topic specifically because I'd be completely leaving layman behind. But oh, look at you! Why do you think you're so much better than the rest of us? <laughs> fancy words like layman. Or have I, a linguistics degree? I, I may or may not <laughs> have studied this specific topic uh, in college for many, this many years. This is a betrayal to an, our entire audience of exactly. people. But uh, we'll do so um, you know, completely unabashedly and with no shame. Therefore, they'll have did to... Did you say unabashedly? I did. Uh, two things I want to I want to well, comment on before we we move on from this though two two specific things that are not in the layman realm but I do think they represent our point here and so I think they're they're useful and, and interesting so what Matt mentioned here um, how you know and Cameron obviously meant, uh, indicating that this is the same type of thing he sees as well the this, the idea that you know, if you try to use specific words um, or try to speak in this particular way, um, that that is you know that perceived to be more intelligent, uh, even if it might might not be. So there was a study um, by uh, Labov, um, I think is his name, uh, many years ago, many many decades ago now, uh, in the area of sociolinguistics. So that's the study of how language works in society and how it affects society. Uh, and so he, I won't go into all the, de uh, the depths of the study, but the idea is generally he went around asking people at different, three different stores um, uh, how to say a specific uh, word or phrase. It was, uh, he asked them how to, how to where some, one particular department was in their store, and there's, in every store it was on the fourth floor. And in this uh, area that he lived in, uh, in New York City, uh, the lower class didn't use the R, and the upper class used the R and fourth and floor much more. Uh, and so he did this large study of uh, these stores and going in and asking people how to pronounce that. And the idea, is that the outcome of it is that the low class did drop this R more than anyone else and the upper class used it. But the people that used the R most were actually the middle class because they recognized that the R was being used and so they by the upper class and so they made sure that they used it always even in a case where the a person that felt more secure in the upper class wouldn't care if they dropped it um, the middle class made sure that they used it in order to be perceived as more intelligent more in that their socio-economic um, realm so uh, the idea that 
that it's subconscious. This idea that we use words and phrases and even pronunciations in a particular context in order to be perceived in a particular way is built into us to some degree. Uh, and then the other thing is that uh, the, uh, this idea of language uh, being representative intelligence is formalized in linguistic theory by what's called, uh, to some degree, uh, a, the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis. And that, in layman's terms, it <laughs> is... I was about uh, to call you on that one. <laughs> the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis is the idea that um, if you can't say it, you can't think it. Um, so essentially, if you don't have a word to describe a particular thing in nature or uh, something that you observe, um, you, you just can't conceptualize it. It literally goes in and out of your brain because you can't control it. Uh, and so if you can't describe uh, your world with a particular um, words or phrases or nuance, the, the, that nuance essentially just doesn't exist in your reality. Um, anyway, I won't go too in-depth of that, um, but that's the idea. It's not fully adhered to at all, pretty much anymore in the linguistic world, but there is still some semblance of it that uh, people just now assume. It's just, it's kind of become uh, taken for granted that that to some degree that if we if you don't develop your language uh, abilities, your other cognitive uh, functions don't follow. Uh, so if you have not developed language, you will therefore not have the ability to develop the other fields. Okay, so kind of summarize what you're saying. So if we kind of go biblically, when the prophets described heaven, they didn't really have the words to describe it because they couldn't actually comprehend it. That is probably a good example. Yeah. Okay. And then kind of the flip side of this is um, a few years back where everything was described as epic and epic (laughs) lost its actual meaning. Uh, sure. Right. So, yeah, if you don't have the ability to describe something and you use just a very trivial word, then you eventually lose. Yeah, the, the word doesn't lose loses meaning in your ability to differentiate between different levels of, of epic. <laughs> it also becomes questionable. So the most epic. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so now stepping back into the layman universe, uh, back into the name of our podcast, um, away from my soapbox of linguistic importance, um, I do want to go through these items that we've uh, mentioned and quickly just each of us can just say one way that we think that you can improve your perceived intelligence. Because once again, as Tim mentioned in the beginning, uh, just because you're perceived to be intelligent doesn't necessarily mean that you are more or less intelligent than the person you're speaking to or that is uh, that is judging you but uh, it is important in our society and in in becoming a successful at least monetarily um, person that you are have the capability to be perceived as intelligent so i want to go through these items that we've listed now and just offer a piece of advice maybe from our own life that of a way to improve your 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 perceived intelligence uh, in these different areas. So we'll start with trivia. Um, I'll go first here. So if you, Matt and Cameron, just think of some way that you think you could give someone advice to improve their intelligence in trivia. Uh, mine would be work on your short-term memory. And that, you think that counterintuitive, counterintuitive and trivia, generally we're talking long-term memory, but short-term memory is uh, is in 
incredibly predictive, like I said in the beginning, of intelligence. So that's, you know, work on memorizing things. There are lots of games. This is where we come back to, um, what are those games that, again, I'm, I'm losing us our sponsor. Trivial Pursuit, Luminosity. Uh, luminosity, yes, the, the brain. Luminosity. Luminosity here brought luminosity. to you by... There's no, in apparently, Lumosity, sorry. Okay, Lumosity. Well, whatever. They aren't sponsoring us yet, so until they do, we will slaughter their name. So those types of things that you can work with um, memory, and and that's more than obviously just memory but in that case, but um, any type of memory game where you can just work those uh, that part of your brain, give it some exercise, give it some additional practice essentially and that will also pay dividends in other areas um cameron uh, I, I was going to say memorize trivial pursuit cards ah, there you go some type of memorization sure a good one and, and apparently lumosity actually makes more sense because if you think of what a loom does making you know rugs carpet ah. you weave the intelligence just together would actually make more sense so Versus Lumen, which is a, basically a tunnel. <clears throat> right. So, yes, Lumosity. Matt? Um, one of the things that you can do that's trivia-related is actually read good history. Read historical fiction. Read historical accounts. Read whatever kind of history is interesting to you in some way. And you'll be surprised how many more things start to make sense or fall into place, how many more references you get. Um, and, and that will help you with all of those random factoids, that trivia, that makes you look smart. Whatever nice. you do, do not base your trivial knowledge around pop culture. It will <laughs> never make you sound intelligent. It might make you sound... Well, many things. It might sound <laughs> cool or hip or whatever it is that Nicki Minaj is saying these days. But it will never, ever, ever, ever make you sound intelligent. Good point. I think both of those were really good. Uh, memorization, I, I haven't read any studies on it recently, but I, I seem to recall from college days that general memorization uh, affects all other areas of intelligence well. And as Matt, this is something I thought about before this podcast and doing research was just if, yeah, if you can contextualize, essentially get the bigger picture, um, put some structure into in, these facts in your mind, then they stick as opposed to just random. Um, so I think both of those are important. Okay, moving on. Uh, we'll just hash this. So a combination of how do you become more successful and slash motivated? Um, I'm, I'm going to start this. I'm going to say become Machiavellian. Um, oh, that's that's unquestionably not layman. But we've <laughs> we've left we've left layman behind. So let's not even pretend at this point. Um, no, uh, I I think the best way to be more motivated and be a better leader is actually by being a leader. Like. Find a group of friends where you can stand out and become a leader and kind of work your way up, you know. Or even lead activities with those friends. Organize something. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's really good advice. Uh, I, yeah, may come up with something that you can lead, something that you can push forward. Yeah, so like, for example, a podcast. Start a bowling league with your friends. 
I don't know that Cameron and I find you more intelligent. <laughs> there was, uh, yeah, okay, maybe not. But I'm saying that other people listening might. <laughs> All right. But then that might take away from our listenership. If they find me intelligent, that's true, because then I'm not a layman. No, no, no. That if there's more podcasts out there, then there's oh. less likely oh, right. to listen to okay, ours. Yes. I sincerely hope you cut out the last 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> relief well if we want that then we can say matt passed ap history because of dave barry it happened actually uh, you can splice this back in earlier right <laughs> so an example of finding ways to make history interesting oh never mind let's just move on okay sorry so motivation and we decided that motivation actually is tied to perceptions of intelligence in the way that it's t tied to success uh, and leadership, you know. I would say that the way to really set things straight here, because we've identified that the connection between motivation and intelligence is a bit of a fallacy. Uh, there, there's a cause-effect error. Um, the, the, the key there, and the way to serve the world by putting this fallacy to rest, is by becoming successful without being motivated. So you need more people to do that and you know, find a way to become successful without working for it. Um, celebrities are, are a good way. Oh, I'm sorry. That's going to get us. Never mind. Um, but yeah, serve the world, destroy that logical fallacy, succeed and be I think mildly pleased with it. I think, I think what you're, I think what you're saying in a roundabout way, is instead of just being motivated for the sake of being motivated and, and taking action for the sake of taking action, is do your research, find the place where you think you can contribute because of your skill set or because of your interests, and get dive all your 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 motivation and all of your energy into that thing because that will drive you to more success and will show people. I mean, if you've chosen wisely. Uh, you will be able to better bring out your strengths. And when you do that, obviously, you're going to get that effect of uh, people assuming that, therefore, you are also intelligent. So That is not at all what I am saying. Well, it is now. What I am <laughs> saying is be successful, not motivated. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. Okay. So moving on. Um, we're not going to move to credentials. So this okay. one, I think, is kind of clear-cut but uh we'll... yeah i'll start this one stay yep. in school get a degree rightly or wrongly our culture places an intense amount of value actually i should have said immense that would have been better see vocabulary i lost it an immense amount of value on credentials um it is you know we look at hiring people we look through their credentials we look at all of the letters that come after their name and it is a major discriminator when we are looking for intelligent people. So do what you can. Get the credentials that you can. Start small. Work your way up. Don't stop. Yeah. Wow, I feel motivating. <laughs> Therefore, you seem intelligent. I know. <laughs> so what I said about succeeding without being motivated, that still applies you can go to school and succeed there and get good grades. Just don't be motivated the entire time. Oh, boy. Okay. This is anyway. working out well. Um, okay, Cameron? 
you're going to earn more money if you get a better education. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that's basically what you want with your credentials. You know, if you want to seem smart, be smart, um, get a better education. I mean, even if you're an auto mechanic, if you got your ASC certification, you're making a whole lot more than, you know, you're just high school graduate. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think. Uh, I can second and third what you said as far as just getting your credentials. Now, school is not the only way to credential, though. So, and Cameron kind of mentioned that. So, I mean, I guess they're still kind of, they're still schools, but I mean, you can uh, get online degrees. You can go uh, get a degree. You can get a credential, an IT credential. You can do, um, you know, your not traditional, your non traditional way of getting credentials that are still meaningful. Um, but yeah, I, I, obviously, you know, if you can get your bachelor's or your master's or your doctorate, um, though, uh, you know, those are going to qualify you uh, to essentially be perceived as more intelligent than, you know, your, your credentials that are, are easier to come by, I guess. Yeah, well, and like I said, you can start small and work your way up and keep yep. working up. And it doesn't have to be collegiate credentials. It can be... I mean, whatever it is, Boy Scouts, you start out as Tenderfoot and you work the Eagle. And right. when, you know, amongst that peer group, the Eagle Scouts are seeing as being a cut above. Um, any, any kind of credential like that, that you can work your way up toward, is a good thing in terms of creating that perception of intelligence. Yeah. And this segment is brought to us by the University of Phoenix. <laughs> Perfect. Or Trump University. I think that's probably the only segment we haven't alienated. Why don't we pander that direction? I I don't think Trump University pays its bills. You should definitely edit this section out. Okay. Um, Yeah, coming back to the idea, though, of this idea between meritocracy versus one based on credentials, I I do think doing research into uh, the field that you're interested in to find out what uh, do, what credentials are meaningful is useful as opposed to just going and spending money on getting credentials that then don't turn out to be useful in your field. So make sure that you know what credentials are meaningful and what what will actually help you uh, in the area and groups that you want to be influential in. I point out also that in a meritocracy, in a meritocracy, credentials may still play. That's true. Yep. I mean, they're an indication just, of your merit. Yep. So, okay, Um, and so this will be our last one. So back to language. What can we do to improve our language uh, abilities in order to uh, make money and influence people? One, don't steal copyrighted phrases. (laughs) I think I I butchered it, so we're good. Um, Yeah, learn the language. Understand words like welkin. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's a person's name. So one of one of the things that I kind of alluded to uh, before when I talked about reading history, reading in general, um, especially worthwhile literature, is a good way to improve your vocabulary and a good idea to get an actual idea of. Or, oh man, my vocabulary shot today. Resetting that one and a good way to get an actual idea of what all those words mean. Uh, there are a lot of good books that use a lot of large words. If you want an entertaining read, any of the works by P.G. Woodhouse, 
<laughs> except for the ones with the racism, are uh, a really good way to gain exposure to very obscure English words that will dramatically enhance your intelligence quotient in the face of people who are impressed by large words. Yes. I, I was going to say, going back and reading classics, you know, yeah. um, that's always a good way to kind of... Yeah. Again, except for the racist ones. Even with the racist ones, um, I was listening to a book recently. Um, uh, Nick Hofferman did Twain's Feast, and it was kind of a look into Mark Twain's life and why he wanted this fictitious feast when he was coming home for after this long trip. Um, I believe it's after he wrote A Tramp Abroad. Um, anyway, there was this large feast that he wanted, and it, it kind of went went through um, the, this meal that they had made. and It was at his house. So he went, um, but even him, who is very classically a very ra- racist writer... Um, they had several renowned, um, people kind of talk about it, um, both of, um, black and white, um, descent and, um, even after, um, the, the African Americans that they were talking and after they read a couple books, they went back and they actually kind of refell into Twain, love of Twain because, um, of his humor and kind of his grasp of, was actually going going on and you know actually bringing uh, communities together even though he did use you know kind of racist language so not kind of just straight up racist language yeah <laughs> yeah uh, i think that you know the the classics and uh the uh you know in anything that that will influence your language uh understanding is certainly important so reading i, I will certainly uh, be the second uh, third voice uh, echoing that though i i think one important thing here also is production so and so that's going to either be um, writing or speaking um, and so in order to practice those things you're going to need to either write on a routine basis so that could be a journal that could be a uh, blog that could be whatever it is and, and don't don't just write for the sake of writing, then you need to get it edited because then you get that feedback loop in where you can find out the problems that you have and uh, be able to correct that in your language. So some type of feedback loop where you get uh, actual correction and reading, that's kind of built in. We have that ability to, uh, you know, uh, kind of consume and and uh, reproduce via analogy um, the uh, some of the language that we that we are exposed to in reading, but the ability to put together very complex sentences and be able to do that in a real-time uh, scenario is comes from practice. So, uh, a podcast, for example, <laughs> don't become our competitors, please. We we can't ha- have any. Our listeners, uh, did I say our listeners or listener? Well, they were. Um, but they, they they're ours, darn it. But uh, you need uh, to practice, so be it podcast or public speaking or writing, like I mentioned, those types of things will, will uh, where you can get some type of feedback and 
uh, be able to incorporate that into your language going forward will really help. Um, and you know that that happens in college. It doesn't happen as naturally after schooling. Uh, so that's something you have to put some effort into in order to get some feedback on the areas that you still need to improve. So that is how I'd recommend uh, improving your language and therefore being viewed as more intelligent. Um, so those are some of the different ways that I think that uh, we as society view intelligence. Uh, last words, Matt and uh, well, Cameron. Let's go with Cameron first. Cameron, last words. Um, yippee ki yay, melon farmer. Okay, perfect. Uh, from the great words of oh gosh, what was his name in Die Hard? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> just failed on vocabulary and trivia. <laughs> And selection of trivia. <laughs> um, no, uh, I, I think just have fun, learn, be smart, try to be smart. You know, try to be smart. Good one. No, that's some effort. Let's say be motivated, even right, Matt. Yes. <laughs> Well, if there's anything that we've learned from this podcast, it's that even people of limited intelligence can be successful in, uh, well, making a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's a huge vote of confidence. All right. Well, come back next week and we will have another uh, podcast if we feel motivated enough next week to try. 